Having a baby is meant to be the most joyful time of your life. But for many mums and dads, it can be the hardest and at times the darkest of places. Welcome to Blue Mondays, the podcast for anyone struggling with parenting. Hi, I'm Vicky Stevenson of Blue Mondays, the perinatal podcast, and you're here with me and Liz Wise from the Cedar House Group for a special Q&A with Liz about postnatal depression. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, Liz. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for asking me, Vicky. Oh, well, always. So, so Liz, just for a bit of background for anybody that doesn't know the podcast, I had severe postnatal depression when my son Stanley was born in 2012. And I was one of the lucky ones that was able to access Liz's incredible support group in London. Uh, there's also one in Surrey. And um, yeah, it was it was a game changer for me. And uh, I wouldn't exaggerate if I said I owe Liz my life. So thank you, Liz. And uh, thanks for all you do and all you are. And uh, I describe you as the queen of PND, but how would you like to introduce you? <laughs> uh, I would describe myself professionally as a specialist postnatal depression counsellor. But I'm just an everyday woman with um, two two daughters and two lovely granddaughters and some knowledge of postnatal depression. Well, what what you don't know about PND ain't worth knowing. So, uh, yeah, Liz undersells herself because she's helped thousands of women. And when you talk about thousands of women, you realise that actually it's not just the individuals, it's their partners, their families as a whole, their children and friends. So. Yeah, that's a lot of people you've helped through the years. So um, I couldn't think of a better person to help answer the most common questions about postnatal depression. I put a shout out for questions. So I've got a pile of questions here. So uh, happy to get going with you, are, Liz. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Vicky. Brilliant. And thank you to everybody that submitted a question because it's so important to demystify the illness and uh, answer these very commonly asked questions and like most of these I can relate to wanting to ask when I was going through it so um first of all how do I know it's PND? Very good question because new mothers particularly first-time mums um have very very similar um thoughts and symptoms and feelings to women going through postnatal depression so for example, those feelings of sort of being irritable, maybe a bit weepy, tired, exhausted, uh, feeling guilty, um, maybe feeling resentful of your partner or all people around you. Those are very sort of common feelings when you have a, a new baby and that sort of loss of former life that you have. Um, but I would say if these feelings sort of are impacting on your day to day life and sort of overtaking sort of the enjoyment um, and things that you're sort of going about looking forward to in your day-to-day life then yeah the majority of women postnatal depression would say that actually these feelings are there most of the time and they're really worrying me and they make me feel like I'm not myself so that's how you can tell really. And people often commonly talk about like the baby blues how does that differ to postnatal depression? 
So the baby blues affects about one in two women, and it typically occurs between day three and seven. It's a chemical change when the breast milk is coming in. So these symptoms can be very sort of prevalent at this time. However, those feelings and thoughts and symptoms usually sort of subside and go by day 14. But if they're sort of becoming worse or heightened, they're not going away at all, then it's a good idea just to talk to your GP or health visitor about how you're feeling. Yeah, and that's always the, the, the sort of the, the first piece of advice is speak to your GP if you, if you feel you can. Most definitely. I mean, I still very sadly hear women say that they don't want to talk to health professionals for fear of having their baby taken away from them if they sort of open up and say how they're feeling. But that is so untrue. And I think, Vicky, you've done something about demystifying these, you know, these ridiculous myths. And in all the 30 years I've been helping women, I've never known anybody have their baby taken away from them. For postnatal depression you know we know what postnatal depression is and we don't certainly don't want to split families up we're there to um to help mothers recover from it yeah i think that's an incredibly important um point that that you've made liz because i think that is a common fear of of women um that you know it they'll be sort of separated from their mm. child or have their family broken up because of it and so thank you for uh, being such a reassuring voice on that point um how common actually is it um i would say in my experience i would say about 20 percent of women are experiencing it and i think research would go along with those sort of figures too however we do know there are a lot of mothers out there that suffer in silence so they won't be coming forward admitting to how bad they're feeling or perhaps even talking to someone. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty common condition, one in five women. Yeah. So. When, when you think about sort of a, a baby group, that's a lot of mums in one room. So, Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was actually speaking to, sorry, everybody, that's my cat. <laughs> if you're a regular <laughs> listener to Play Mondays, you, you'll recognise the voice of Brandy. Um, but yeah, I was speaking to Christine of uh, Perinatal Wellness in Ontario in Canada, and she was saying that since the pandemic, one in three parents are now seen to be affected. And that is, again, just the number that come forward and seek support, not the, the ones that suffer in silence. And was that including men as well, Vicky? Yes, I believe it was. Because, right. um, because I, I know now through speaking to people like Elliot Ray and Mark Williams that one in 10 fathers is mm-hmm. affected with postnatal depression. And, you know, the reason I called Blue Mum Days Blue Mum Days was because I only thought it affected women. And you realise that actually, you know, it can affect birth partners of all sorts um, and families of all sorts, you know. it's um, Oh, absolutely, yeah. So what, what are the risk factors, would you say, for developing perinatal illness? So, again, it's, it's difficult to sort of generalise because I do know women that have had a lot of risk factors for having it, but haven't got it. And then people like myself who have very few risk factors and had it really severely. So we do know that women that have had previous depression and anxiety are slightly more predisposed to having it. Women that have IVF 
treatment, fertility treatment seem to be a little bit more at risk as well. Um, and again, I think here the experts seem to think that for those women, of course, you know, it's a traumatic experience going through fertility treatment and it becomes a very clinical process and you're pumped full of hormones. You possibly have quite high expectations of how it's going to be when you have your much, much wanted baby and not only you, but possibly friends and family around. So there's a lot of pressure on someone. And as we know, um, nothing is straightforward really in life. So, you know, this, this little baby that is much wanted doesn't necessarily produce you with, um, <laughs> with a rosy situation, you know. So that's certainly a risk factor. Women that have lost their mother pre-puberty seem to have an increased risk as well. So this isn't necessarily through death. It can be a loss of a healthy maternal emotional relationship. So again, I see a lot of girls coming through the groups that do have, I wouldn't necessarily say dysfunctional, but not a great healthy emotional relationship. And I think, again, here we're thinking that pre-puberty, maybe subconsciously, we need to have a sort of good role model to model ourselves on when we become mothers ourselves. So understandably so, if you don't have that, you can flounder a bit. Yeah. yeah. Multiple births, that's another risk factor. Um, and that lack of supportive relationship too. So, But there's a list as long as you're armed of risk factors because we don't all go through life you know without any traumas and crises at all going on and again I would say Vicky I put a figure about 80 percent of women that I support have got some unresolved issue from their past right yeah that they haven't dealt with as we all do because you know pain and trauma is a massive thing to deal with particularly when you're younger and what do we do we sweep it under the carpet and if we don't look at it, we'll just think, oh, we'll forget about it. It'll go away type of thing. But Bury it in a box. often than not, yeah, it comes back and bites you on the bum, doesn't it? So those, those sort of things. And I would say, you know, particularly after Emma, I think that was my biggest risk factor that I'd been through such a traumatic, traumatic event when I was 24. And I thought I'd dealt with it and I really hadn't. So thank yeah. you. And also um, through speaking to AJ Silver of the Queer Birth Club in one of the Blue Mondays episodes, I've also understood that, you know, the LGBTQ plus community also cover a lot of the, the, the sort of the, the, you know, tick a lot of the boxes on the mind checklist for susceptibility to mental health problems, not because of, of who they are, but also through lack of support. No, oh, definitely. Things like yeah. that and prejudice that they, they face still in the 21st century on a daily basis. So um, uh, I've got a question here. Is postnatal depression like other forms of depression? It's very similar. The definition of postnatal depression is a depressive episode after childbirth. So yeah, the symptoms, feelings, thoughts are very similar as they manifest themselves in general depression, but it typically, obviously, only happens after the birth of a baby. That actually neatly leads me on to um, a question I was asked the other day, which is, 
you know, how how many years need to go by before it's not postnatal depression? Because I was contacted by a lady who still five years on struggles to bond with her two children and, you know, feel connected to them. And I don't think she's ever had like a formal diagnosis or been to her GP about it. And she was like, you know, that's very sad. really, really sad. And obviously I did say to, to speak to um, her GP and seek some support. And I, I sent her the details of Cedar House. Um, but on her behalf, you know, could that still be that she's suffering with postnatal depression? How old are her children? I don't know, to be honest. But if okay. it's five so, years, I'd say both under under five. So, you know, typically postnatal depression is a temporary episode of a depressive illness, which always goes, given the right treatment and or support. So you've just said that she didn't have any contact with her GP and didn't seek any help for it mm. or wasn't offered it, should I say. So, which is really sad because possibly if she had been given that treatment and or support at that time, she would be feeling quite different to how she is now. So I would say, yes, it can go on, but, you know, when girls reach out to either someone like myself or their GP or, or whoever, that's half the battle won. You know, you're reaching out, you are going to get the right treatment and support that you need. But mm. I have I have met women a similar age to myself that had children around the same time as I did. And because PND wasn't spoken about nearly as much as it is now, they just sort of just got on with it. And they have had depressive episodes throughout their lives because they weren't helped with it, mm. which to yeah. me is totally unnecessary because everybody can recover from it. But if yeah. it's not dealt with, it can go on. Yeah. So that's, I think that's a really important point you make, Liz, so that if it's something that you had in the past but still gives you pain or you grieve over that period, um, it's never too late to seek help, would you say, for, for that? Oh, absolutely. Never, never too late at all. And I'm sure, you know, this, this lady could, could have some really good therapy to help her, you know, connect with her children. Um, I can relate to that because I, as you know, from previous speaking to me, I didn't relate to Emma till she was over one, but I did get the right support and treatment. So luckily my depression lifted and hence my feelings of love for Emma emerged. And you but have an I incredible relationship. We do have an incredible relationship. <laughs> yes. I'm very, very fortunate. I do with her and with Holly too. So, um, yeah, that, that saddens me to hear that, you know, she's struggling still, but, you know, well, I would this will recommend some, some therapy for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you, Liz. Uh, that actually leads us beautifully on to question five. Is it important to seek help? Well, that's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just can't say, you know. Sorry, I, I don't, I'm getting teary. I, I tend to get a bit teary and, um, excuse me. But yeah, I really feel for that lady because um, I think she's going through a really, really hard time. Never fear asking for help in any shape or form, not just with postnatal depression, but in life in general. It's not a weakness. In fact, it's a strength. 
to be able to reach out and ask people for help. We all need help in times of our lives. So, yes, it's so important. It's so important. And don't feel a failure or weak or, you know, I should be able to just manage this on my own. You know, if you had a physical illness such as diabetes or something, you wouldn't think twice about going to the doctor and saying, I'm thirsty all the time, I'm losing weight, da 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 and, yeah. you know, being treated for it. So it's the same with, with our mental health issues. You yeah. know, there's no shame in it at all. And it's hugely important to get help. You yeah. just don't want this illness to go on and on and on. And that, that's the thing that sort of the earlier the intervention, and when I say intervention, I mean earlier the support, because uh, intervention sounds like you suddenly have like this, this uh, SWAT team descending upon your house. But yeah, the earlier you get that support, the, the better it is in terms of a giving you the help you need and the support, but also stopping the illness progressing and getting deeper and deeper uh, into depression. Most definitely. And can I just sort of say here about antidepressants, Vicky? Yes, that, I was going to ask you about. Or do you want me to leave it till you ask me? No, 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 sure? no, go for it. So I see a lot of girls that are resistant to taking antidepressants. And, you know, of course, I wouldn't. And our group would never push anybody to taking medication unless they really wanted to. That's not what I'm about or our group is about. But it saddens me again. I see girls struggle for months and months and then they take them and say, I wish I'd taken these far sooner. And to me, you know, again, it relates to if you had a physical illness, you possibly wouldn't refuse medication to get yourself better. And it's the same with postnatal depression. You know, those antidepressants are made to get rid of the depression. They really work. So... I, I totally wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying, Liz, because um, I was very, very anti taking them. And um, I my big concerns were that a it was admitting defeat, you know, that I should be able to fight this on my own, mm -hmm. um, that it would make me feel like a zombie or that it would make me feel artificially high, that I would be dependent on them forever and that it would mean that I was definitely mental <laughs> and and actually speaking to you and learning more about them and I remember my doctor actually saying don't overthink it you know mm. obviously when you're, when you're suffering from PND yeah everything's catastrophizing you know you know it's all or nothing very black and white thinking and I remember sort of this moment of like taking my first antidepressant and just thinking you know going to be like Jekyll and Hyde where suddenly I'm changed forever and it's it's not like that it's just normal you know it is if it's giving your body a chemical that you're missing it's what, getting you better yeah what is the problem and it the, how they help me and I, I, I still take antidepressants and if I need to take them for the rest of my life then that's fine you know I'm I'm okay with mm -hmm. that um but it just makes things normal it makes me feel emotionally well and when I'm emotionally well you still have challenges in life life is you know it doesn't stop the the war in Ukraine it doesn't stop the COVID mm -hmm. pandemic but your ability to be able to cope with them and think more rationally um mm -hmm. it just makes you feel normal like back to your old self 
there are all sorts of different types of antidepressants available. And I was very lucky in that the first one I was given was a very good fit for me. Um, but if you take antidepressants and they're making you feel worse or you're getting bad side effects, please speak to your GP because there are different types of medication available and it's a question of just finding the right fit for you. Absolutely. And I was going to say that a lot of people say I don't want to take them because they probably make me feel very different, that I've got a different personality and yeah, not like myself. Yeah. In fact, it's the opposite. What they do is they make you feel like your old self again. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally don't. the opposite. So if anybody is out there thinking I'm really considering taking these, but I'm worried, you know, don't be. Because the other thing is, if they don't suit you, you can come off them. It's yes. not like you're stuck with them type of yeah. thing, but you're so right. There are lots of different antidepressants you can try, but that doesn't usually happen. The yeah. majority of girls get an antidepressant that works for them first time round. So brilliant. Thank you, Liz. Um, what support is available? And um, just before you answer that, I just want to say that in every episode of Blue Mum Days in the show notes, I have a list of different organisations um, and support groups that are available. So please always look at those um, because we, we are very happy to signpost you to help. But Liz, um, what would you what would you say to that in terms well, of... There are lots of various um, options available. And of course, as I said before, the first port of call would be your, your health history or GP. I would recommend the GP. And then the GP will probably discuss with you about whether you, you maybe refer for some counselling or some cognitive behavioural therapy, or if he or she thinks you might benefit from seeing the mental health team, the perinatal mental health team, if your baby's under a year old, they can refer you there. Of course, we've just been talking about medication. That's an option. Uh, and then obviously, if you're not wanting to take orthodox medication, you can go down the route of homeopathy. Um, acupuncture some girls have complementary therapies support groups yeah you know um, I, I can't speak highly enough of I mean the thing that I was really desperate to do was to meet other people meet other women who were feeling the same as me and it felt like everywhere I looked that all the other mums had it together and weren't <laughs> struggling and weren't feeling like a complete failure that they were just like this is wonderful I'm going out for a coffee with my baby and having a bit of cake and strolling through the park and everything's great and it's so easy and I wanted to meet other women that that felt the same way I did and that pierced and that were honest yeah yeah and that weren't um weren't sort of putting a mask on yeah hey I'm doing great um and that experience of sitting in a room with other women saying, me too, oh, I get like that, oh, I've done that, you know, or I think like that too, or I struggle with this as well. And to have you, Liz, facilitating and saying, yep, you know, bring me your most crazy symptoms. I've heard it all before. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a very typical, a typical thing of PND. Um, is so incredibly helpful and and one of the the key theme of maternal uh, mental health awareness week is this year is power of connection and sharing and peer support so um, 
I think sort of if you can find a support group or sort of peers who have lived experience I think that's really really helpful and that was really helpful for me yeah and I think the thing about support groups is that honesty you know it's not like going to an NCT or mother and toddler group where most people sit around as you say regaling you know how amazing motherhood is which we know it's not um parts of it are of course you know it's not all doom and gloom but yeah you have postnatal depression it pretty much is all doom and gloom so you want to know that there are other people feeling it too yeah definitely definitely um what percentage of men suffer from it well we've actually covered that already so one in in ten Mm -hmm. men are are known to have postnatal depression um but again that is the amount of men that come forward and seek support so it may be and no disrespect to our men at all but in general they're less likely to to come forward and ask for help you know for some guys it could be a sign of weakness feeling this way and asking for support but gosh even more stigmatized don't let it be you know yeah you know it's excuse me I can't I I think the only way to stop that cat shouting is to have him on my lap so I'm just kind of brandy (laughs) the horror well hello brandy look at those ears yeah (laughs) he's a nightmare this is this is the face of all those interruptions he's very handsome no don't i'll go to his head anyway we'll carry on (laughs) there he is for any cat fans um what what would you say are the triggers of pnd what rather than the risk factors yeah, sort of, yeah, I suppose it's the same really, isn't it? Um, I mean, it might be good to actually talk about hooks, which I found really helpful when you were talking about hooks with mm-hmm. postnatal depression, that you can kind of get obsessed with one area. So for me, it was, I would say it was like breastfeeding. Right. Um, so yeah, in general, I would say the majority of women with postnatal depression and anxiety have some kind of hook. So for you, it was breastfeeding. For me, it was I didn't love my daughter. Or I didn't, couldn't feel that I loved her. For other women, it'll be absolutely manic about sleeping, not getting enough sleep and yeah. staying awake, you know, crazily in the night, thinking they're not going to be able to sleep. Um, and when I say crazily, I don't mean crazily in your head, but that yeah. awful, you know, feeling of, oh, my God, I'm not going to get enough sleep and I'm not going to be able to function tomorrow. I've had lots of different hooks. Um, I had a a lady years ago, bless her, she was absolutely terrified that whenever she went out into a public place, her child would be injected with the HIV virus. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it was a massive, and that totally impacted on her life, that she was unable to, you know, to go out. and, And if she did, sometimes she'd be in the supermarket and buying things, and then she'd... Her hook would tell her that a packet of nappies had been, um, you know, injected with the virus. So that would have to go back. And, you know, it was really extreme. I've had other hooks um, calling a child the wrong name. Uh, really? saying, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the reason for my postnatal depression. I think if I child, called my child a different name, then I wouldn't be depressed or born in the wrong school term time. If my child had been born a month earlier, I don't think I would be depressed. And actually, it's the other way around. So the depression makes you feel, actually, if if this happened, then I wouldn't be depressed. But it's actually 
the depression that's giving you the hook yeah type of thing and it can move from one sense. hook to and oh another. yeah those hooks can change you can get rid of one hook and then something else will come in and yeah and really torture you yeah really like make you believe mine moving from breastfeeding after I stopped breastfeeding to like weaning and then feeding and sort of um yeah the food um so it was all a common thread with food for you I think so yeah yeah how how does PND affect your bond with your baby well again this is a myth isn't it Every woman that has postnatal depression doesn't love their baby. That is not true at all. In my experience, the majority of women with postnatal depression don't have attachment issues. So there's, there are, you know, like myself with Emma, but not with Holly, of course. Um, yeah, there are some women that the severity of their depression or their anxiety doesn't allow them to feel those feelings of love, which is, again, so very sad. But those feelings do come through and the number of girls that have come through the groups that have had those sort of disconnection feelings, lack of sort of attachment and don't believe they'll ever get it. And then, of course, it does come. Yeah. And it always comes. Going back to the lady you were describing earlier on, you know, with given some help for her, that will come too. So, yeah. So I'm saying absolutely not. And I'd still hear mum say to me, I can't have it because I love my baby. Mm, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, yeah, it's incredible. And um, not to, to um, judge anybody that has bonding issues because that is something that you do not control. You cannot control. Exactly. And it doesn't mean you're not, you know, it doesn't mean you're not a good mum. It's just that you're suffering from the effects of a, an illness, but most definitely, um, yeah. And I, actually, I, really positively, I would say that the majority of mums with postnatal depression say when they're out the other side, they wouldn't be without their experience of it because it's yeah. taught them so much about themselves and their other people and relationships. And I would say that girls with PND become so aware of their own mental health and other people's as well that that will have a very very positive impact on their relationship with their own child definitely and that and that I think that's something that Emma again pointed and, out yeah in the podcast yeah. that she felt because of my own experience of the illness that she felt that it was it really helped her growing up yeah. and so don't our worry. very open relationship yeah, definitely. You know, it, it means that our children are aware that it's okay to not be okay mm -hmm. and that, you know, to be open about how you're feeling. And I think that's that can only be a positive thing. And also just, you know, reassurance that um, you're, you're not going to scar your child for life because you have postnatal depression. No, not at all. From experience, how long would you say it takes to recover from PND? I mean, that seems to be the one that most people want to know. Like, <laughs> when am I going to feel better? And that's the question I say I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> because I I just think it you cannot say to someone, oh, you'll be fully recovered in six months. Someone said that to me when I was unwell, and I wasn't. And to me, my world fell apart. I thought, well, this isn't postnatal depression. It must be something far worse. 
And I still hear mums say, GPs say, well, if you take this medication, you'll be fully recovered in three months. And of course they're not. So I would never put any timeline on it. Everybody's totally different. But I, what I will say is I've never seen anybody with moderate to severe PND recover in under six months because this is a slow recovery from this illness. And if you do choose to take medication, unfortunately, they don't work like antibiotics do. And your infection has gone within two to three weeks. Your depression lingers on. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's something I never really like to to say to mums. Yeah. This and is recovery, the recovery. Recovery isn't linear. It's not like you just feel better and better and better and better and better. It's more no. like that, isn't it? Very much so up along a step down a step back a step up a step it's yeah but it's, it's that emotional roller coaster you're yeah. you're on when you're in it and and don't feel you know speaking from experience don't feel bad and regretful and uh scared if you have like a good period and then you go back to feeling bad that you know you will come out of that again and it doesn't mean you're going backwards you'll still you're still going up yeah that's a very good point I think particularly when girls get to about 70% recovery that you know they may have quite long stretches of feeling quite well particularly on a sort of monthly basis and then of course we know premenstrually our symptoms can be heightened and you think oh god you know am I going right back to the beginning whereas actually if you sort of look at the pattern when you're coming out of PND more often than not it's along it's alongside premenstrual symptoms what percentage of women make a full recovery well we've, we've covered that which is like 100 percent yeah i um, very happy to say that and um final question i had pnd with my first i got help and was put on medication everything was great and i feel like i came out of it having my second baby i don't think i experienced it my question is is it possible for it to come back but to only experience the feelings and thoughts with the child you, you first had it with. I'm always anxious and stressed and very short with my firstborn three-year-old, but totally fine if it's just me and my second. All right, there's quite a lot in that, that question. I would say if she felt that she'd made a total recovery and that had been really well recovered for a good year or so, it's unlikely that this has come back, particularly as she's saying that she's not actually feeling depressed with her second child. Yeah. I would say more commonly, this is a second time mum that's very tired and has got a three-year-old that's pushing those boundaries and they're getting angry and stressed with their toddler. But I think when you've been through it first time round and after that child, you could possibly make that connection you could be thinking, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm still feeling like that. But with my elder child, who I had it with. But then I think if it's really been gone and done and dusted, it's unlikely to come back just, just to be put onto the three-year-old. Do yeah. you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's very good perspective. So thank you, Liz. Um Thank you so much for answering these questions. And if anybody has any other questions to ask, please do send me a DM or put something in the comments. And um, Liz or I know 
Dr. Andy Mayers is also happy to answer questions so we can do another one of these Q&A sessions. But for now, Liz, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Vicky, for asking. If you enjoy this episode of Blue Mondays, please rate and subscribe. It only takes a minute, but it genuinely makes a difference to how many people can find it, which means helping more parents in need. Thank you.